kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Auntie Nanny. Please let me know if you guys in the chat can hear us, because we're trying different uh, audio stuff this evening. Go ahead. Um, hello? Can anybody in the chat hear us? They should be able to. Okay. Um and I had to close out um, VP Live's page because it was repeating. Okay, that's yeah, you fine. Yeah, you just need to you just need to mute the the chat. The chat. Yeah. yeah, the chat just pops out. Yeah. There's a little uh, square icon in the corner of the chat that pops it out. Um, so if nobody's going to answer, I'm going to say, <laughs> okay, you've got us. Good. Um, Good evening and welcome to another edition of Auntie Nanny. <laughs> Tonight, I have the fabulous Miss Margot Gardner here with us this evening, which is awesome. I know you guys have been dying for a different point of view and a different voice, and we've all kind of been missing Miss Jeannie. So I'm pleased and thrilled to have Miss Margot with us. She's one of the smartest people I know. Hi, Margot. How are you this evening? <laughs> You'd be funny. Uh, no, that's true. You are. I could never do what you do for a living. So I'm uh, pleased you're here with us. And well, um, <laughs> and I have the very best producer money can buy. And I'm still not paying him with me tonight. Very boring. How are you this evening, Barry? Hungry. Yes, I... Hmm. Do you want to vent a bit? I mean, it is a vaping show. Just go off. Well, you might as well, because I've had issues with the yeah, same for, for the listeners, you know, I, I spent a great deal of time building a DNA 200. Um, it worked for two days, and now it doesn't work. I have been struck by the... Uh, the, as, as, as somebody I know put it, low failure rate <laughs> on the DNA 200, you know, the, the one in a hundred that fail. I, I got one yeah. in the one in a hundred, so yeah, I'm incredibly angry, because that I happened have... just before the show, basically. Yeah. 
every single, and I hate to say it because I, I love the DNA mods, but every single one I've had is broken. Every single one. Um, and it may just be that um, I'm a high failure rate vapor because I do a lot of thinking. I tend to walk around with my mods and slam them into stuff and they tend to hit concrete and brick a lot floors they don't really like that and um also the only person i know that's worn out three silver bullet buttons which i was told was impossible to do so oh, no, yeah. no they're just rated for 50 million presses or whatever yeah yeah well so yeah, I they, the, after three days yeah i mean the, the dna <laughs> yeah. 200 failure rates enormous uh, reading around um well, I say I know it, people that have have bought five and four broke, and yeah. and I, I know people that have had replacements and then the replacement breaks, and you know. Yeah. Uh, the 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 issue seems to be Evolve doesn't do quality control. That's it. I don't, I don't know, but I will tell you if you're trying to build something that's indestructible, you don't want to let me beta test it. Because I will find a way to break it. And I've broken, oh, anything can be broken. many, just, you know. many mods. Not not even trying to. Here we go. Let me put my pop filter up. <laughs> that is how everything is going. being nice. I'd be just lividly pissed. Oh, I am. I mean, it's just I, I was brought up to be very polite. I worked in, I worked in um, hospitality has, for 30 years. Well... Yeah, twenty five. Well, I was brought up to be polite too. That's probably why sometimes I'm not. (laughs) If if you'd been talking to me an hour ago, you wouldn't find me talking so calmly. I imagine we would have heard some very, very um, creative Scottish 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 cursing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I've got to admit, I've I've seen some videos that actually that you sent me where. they were talking about Scottish curse words. My God. Oh, yeah. Nothing embarrasses me. My ears were turning bright red. Swearing is an art form and a weapon in Scotland. <laughs> it seems like. So, well, say for, um, for, for, for the North American can, um, <laughs> people, yeah, Gordon Ramsay was born in Glasgow. He, he's, yeah. he's, been, he's been anglified. He's, he's gentle. But He's very the way calm, he behaves. actually. Yeah. That, that's yeah. a Scottish person who's been civilised. I'm kind of the same. I don't. I do swear, just not quite as much as he does. But <laughs> yeah, but you know, you're. If you go to also... Glasgow and see people arguing, oh my god! <laughs> you know, two tourists get scared. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I don't know why. You guys get it all out verbally. It seems like, or oh yeah, you know, yeah. so don't hold, don't hold on to your stress. Let it out. <laughs> yeah, and that in is the case exact... of in the case of evolve, uh, it, it went out in my my contact to technical support. Um, <laughs> who'll read it you know and probably go, oh, I think this person might be a bit angry. <laughs> you know, I, I do understand. I, I just, you know, well, I said I, before I, the show, I have friends. I've got, a, I've got one very good friend. Mm-hmm. Who works? His job is assembling custom circuit boards. Okay. And as I said before the show, if he has a board that doesn't work, he's taken into the office, sat down, and questioned. That's for one that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. 
if he does multiple of those in a week, he'll be mm -hmm. fired. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he. I don't here's think Evolve quite has that quality control. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think Evolve does a good job for a niche market. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, we yeah, I mean, we are a really terribly small market. So, what you know. I think Evolve really need to do, and they kind of have with, mm -hmm. they kind of did with the DNA 40, right. is licensing to one of the big Chinese firms for manufacture. Although <laughs> I hear that may be what happened with the DNA 200 as well. and But, mm. but they might have gone a bit cheap. Um, yeah. That's uh that, that's no... a rumor. I can't confirm that. <laughs> yeah, no, no comment. Um, so I guess on on with the show. Uh, do you feel any better having vented a little? No. No. <laughs> I'll feel better on I'll feel better on Friday when I'm on my way to Vape Fest UK. Uh, yeah, you will. I don't blame you. Okay, so last week we talked. I talked actually. I talked for about. 35, 40 minutes off the cuff about what it was like for my friend living in Venezuela. So, tonight's top story. Venezuela calls for mandatory labor and farm sector. The government of Venezuela has issued a decree that effectively amounts to forced labor in an attempt to fix a spiraling food crisis, according to a new report from Amnesty International. The Venezuelan ministry last week announced resolution 9855 which calls for the establishment of a transitory labor regime in order to relaunch the agricultural and food sector the decree says that the government must do what is necessary to achieve strategic levels of self-sufficiency and states that workers can be forcefully moved from their jobs to work in farm fields or elsewhere in the agricultural sector for periods of up to 60 days Trying to tackle Venezuela's severe food shortages by forcing people to work in the fields is like trying to fix a broken leg with a band-aid, said Erica Javera Rosas, America's director at Amnesty International, in a statement. The law is vague in terms of laying out exactly which workers can be first to work in the farm sector, though it indicates that both public and private sector workers may be included. While working in food production, workers will be suspended from their regular jobs. They'll be allowed to return to their original jobs upon completion of service. The new decree completely misses the point when it comes to finding ways for Venezuela to crawl out of the deep crisis it has been submerged in for years, Rosas said. Authorities in Venezuela must focus on requesting and getting much-needed humanitarian aid to the millions in need across the country and develop a workable long-term plan to tackle the crisis. Under President Nicolas Maduro, the country has been gripped by skyrocketing inflation and food shortages that have led to rising unrest this year. Venezuela's oil-dependent economy capsized with the fall in crude prices in 2014, leaving whole swaths of the country's 31 million people without enough food or necessities. Inflation is expected to hit almost 720% this year, and the gross domestic product is seen falling by 8%, according to the IMF. Maduro's predecessor, Hugo Chavez, left the nation in a vulnerable economic position by nationalizing the energy assets while oil prices were high and spending the proceeds in, on widespread social programs. Oil's drop in 2014 left the government far short of its revenue needs and with only an anemic private sector to generate taxes or jobs. So, thoughts? Anybody? <laughs> They're screwed. <laughs> and it is Chavez's fault, mainly. Yeah, he just privatized he 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 nationalized everything he could get hold of. Spent all the money, 
and yeah, neither screwed. You know, and Barry's I, being so polite because I immediately went, they're fucked. And, but my thing is, if, what are you going to do with people that have never even grown a pot of flowers in their life? How do you teach them to farm on a large scale? And where do you get all this farm equipment to do it? I honestly have no idea. I, and I talked about my friend last week who said that, you know, for a couple of years, he was pretty much a vegetarian because to eat, you had to grow food there and they live in apartments. So, you know, it's really hard to get enough calories even to eat during the day. And it's not just the toilet paper crisis. They, they've had a real problem. I've said for a while now, even though I have libertarian leanings for you to have a middle class that's functional, which is generally the heart of your society, you kind of have to have this sort of mixed economy where you have a government that generates taxes and, and revenue from people and businesses, but not so much that capitalism isn't also allowed to work alongside it. When they nationalize stuff, they nationalize like toilet paper, they said was a human right. Water, they said, was a human right, and they wanted the businesses that made these things to sell them below the cost that it cost to produce them, and yet the government didn't want to subsidize any of that. So these businesses went, screw you, I'm out. And it's like, do they really need toilet paper? Because if they've got no food to eat, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm just, just taking it that next logical step. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. Well, I and, bet, and I bet it's... the only thing I, I could suggest offhand is mm -hmm. they get some Cubans across to help <laughs> them because Cuba went through a similar thing when the huge trade embargo hit them uh, mm -hmm. a long time ago. Yeah. And yeah, now now people have yeah loads of people learned how to farm basically. I've got to say, yeah. Cuba has world class medical care. For all the stuff they don't have, they poured all the money that they could generate into healthcare. They actually have a lung cancer vaccine that works. Yeah. You know, yeah, they and they're have, the only they country that does. They also have more, more um, vegetable gardens in their cities than just about yeah. anywhere on the planet because of you, the trade of yeah, Argo. You won't find again, people. They couldn't get stuff, so they grew stuff. They learned how to make yeah. parts for their cars, all sorts cars. of weird and wonderful things. Yeah. There's not going to no. be any of this garbage going around where people get busted for growing vegetables in their front yard. <laughs> Probably not there. Not at that point, I don't think. Not with all of those people. Oh, and hey, so I did read, and I don't have this here. This is just something that occurs to me. Uh, so Zika is now in Florida. Zika is now carried by our native mosquitoes. And the UK government issued a travel warning to people coming to Florida from the UK telling them to abstain from sex the entire time they're here. I just thought that was funny, and uh, it seemed almost topical. Sorry, it was kind of off topic, but um, it just occurred to me. Go ahead. And I saw a map this afternoon. It had Florida, California, New York, and maybe Texas that had over 50 confirmed cases. Yep. And that, yep, that's yep. why the that's why it's now in Florida because people yep. have come back with it. 
the local yep. mosquitoes have had a nice wee uh, drink of those people. Yep, and um, they're and able the next, to pass it along. Every person they've bit since. Yep. Yep. Well, see, exactly. and some of us ask that question right away, mm -hmm. and it was, oh no, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, well, yeah, I right. mean, the reason is virus, because so yeah, a mosquito was going to spread it. Yeah, they, yeah we, but we know that's the, rubbish. The reason that was thought was because it was at the time. I mean, this the Zika virus has been around or known about since the 1960s. Yeah. Okay, so we know yeah. a lot about it. We know it gives you a fever, chills, and in the worst cases, for normal, healthy people, conjunctivitis. The only people it's really bad for is pregnant women um, and infants and the elderly. The elderly seem to virally load insanely with this to the point right. of where they're actually shedding virus where no virus should be shed. Do you know what right. I mean? Yes. So, um, that's the only things with it. And you're going to get like a mild flu-like thing. You're going to get conjunctivitis that antibiotics don't work for. And in about three days, you're going to be fine. You just don't want to be a pregnant woman and get this. Right. You know? So, you know, now is the time to think about uh, family planning if you're uh, in Florida. So. And make sure your yeah. mosquito nets are all nicely, uh, yeah. you know, unhauled. Uh, Lots of bug spray. Uh. You know what? Here's the sad thing. I can lay a lot of this at the feet of the World Health Organization when they banned the outdoor and indoor use of DDT in third world countries. Yeah. Because this this allows these bloodborne pathogens the thing that, the to get thing a that foothold. Decimated malaria in in Central America. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. And, we're not allowed to use that anymore. Like, yeah. Really, but it's can. really useful. Yeah. It's, it's useful and helpful, and yeah, no more use of that. And I can lay that directly at their feet, because had they well, not made the this fucking choice, political statement... The interesting choice of not quarantining people they identify that have Zika. Uh-huh. You know, they've caught it abroad, they've been identified mm -hmm. as having it when they're abroad, they sure. come home, don't get quarantined. You're like, uh, <laughs> okay, what's that all about? Yeah, it's it's crazy. If, I, if well, it was Ebola, the person would be well, locked up. I mean, they, here, even, they probably wouldn't be even be allowed on a plane to come home. Um, <laughs> no. But here's the thing: Zika is not that scary unless you're a pregnant woman. No, right? Zika is not that scary. Most people can recover from it without yeah, you just major be careful problems. For six months, I to mean, a year after infection. Right. I mean, safe sex. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the worst thing you could actually get would be dengue fever. Dengue fever, it's possible to walk outside and get it here now. Yeah. It, you could get it in Mexico. You can get it in Texas. You can get it in California because it's also carried by mosquitoes. And I, I would that... Say, I, I would say the top one you don't want to get is probably uh, sleeping sickness. Yeah, you don't want to get bit by TC flies. flies. Yeah. yeah, no, that's random bad unconsciousness shit. with a eventual um, total coma. <clears throat> yeah, that's not good. Yeah, no, for the immune suppressed, I can't tell you what happens to the immune suppressed. Um, but it's a mild flu for most of the general public. See, I don't know what happens to the immune suppressed. It's been around so many years, but that's never been an issue before. And of course, we've never been as interconnected as we are now. And that's a problem. 
Yeah, you know well, what I mean. All, all you can say is, "Well, we're going to find out soon what it does." To <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. I would think that people that were naturally had immune issues, it would be one thing, but then you have this other class of people that are on immunosuppressive drugs, yeah, which or rheumatoid arthritis, whole, or yeah, yeah, a whole new category. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, this this is a relatively new scenario because mm-hmm. those are relatively new drugs in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Um, so time's going to tell on that one. Um, get your bugs. Buy some deep woods off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Read read up on um, chickens. Different jungle <laughs> formulas and the like, because different species yeah. of mosquitoes are repelled by different chemicals. Because mm-hmm. yeah, the the most hilarious one is. Every every might have heard about the Scottish midges, which are the mini stealth mosquitoes that we have. In yeah, Scotland. they're like our they're like our yeah. noceums. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we, they, in Scotland, it's just they come in clouds of several thousand at a time. So yeah, mm-hmm. so while there's no they're right. not that they're not that annoying. Apart from the fact yeah. there's a lot of them, right? But mm-hmm. they discovered about ten years ago, well, ten fifteen years ago. Yeah. They actually like jungle formula. The smell attracts them. So all these people for years have been putting on all this <laughs> stuff to repel oh the God. bugs, and it attracts midges. <laughs> so Fantastic. tourists were coming to Scotland and getting eaten, and it was because <laughs> of their anti-bug creams. God. So, yeah, um, you know what? what's really good? Um, most bugs hate the smell of mint. They hate it. True. I would grab some peppermint essential oil, get, you know, some distilled water, put it in a spray bottle with a teaspoon of witch hazel, maybe 10 drops of that stuff, spray it on myself before I went out. That way I wouldn't smell totally repellent to other human beings, but I would also keep bugs away from myself. Or or you can just sit next to a really smoky fire the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, that's not really. That's not always going to work. Can't do that in California and several no. other states, but you know, <laughs> not when it's a hundred degrees outside, <laughs> that's just not going to work. No. No, you're not going to feel the fire because it's so hot. But the smoke keeps yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the insects away. Because yeah, I remember um, the, back to the midgey thing. We're having a, sure. a staff get together at one of the, the cell I worked in, and yet, yet it was summer. The clouds of midges arrived. The only people who were not affected were myself and the other people who were smoking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they don't really like that. And then mm. you know, then didn't they find out that mosquitoes hate the smell of fresh live chicken? I'm like, oh, yeah. that's disgusting. That is disgusting. Okay. Um, okay, Thomas, if you're still in the chat, I have one for you. <laughs> Vanished guns, firearms stolen from a late U.S. armory base in Germany. U.S. officials have revealed that a collection of weapons was stolen from the Panzer Kazrin base near Stuttgart. And I'm sorry, I'm butchering this, but I'm a white American. This is how I sound. Earlier this month and couldn't be located, leading to concerns that the arms may have ended up on the black market or in the wrong hands. Um, several semi-automatic pistols, one small caliber automatic rifle, and a shotgun were among the items taken, said Chris Gray. Oh, I know you know. Nobody else does. 
a spokesman for the U.S. Army Criminal Investigation Command. Due to the ongoing investigation, we will not be releasing any additional information or any specifics on the items stolen at the time to protect the integrity of the investigative process, said Bray Johnson, a spokesman for the Army Installation Management Command Europe. The Cold War era facility serves as a local garrison headquarters and an operational base for elite units, including the Green Berets and Navy SEALs. We're looking at all possibilities as the investigation continues, but at this point in the investigation, it does not appear that an outside entity stole the firearms and equipment or breached the fence line, but we have not completely ruled it out. Um, the timing of the disappearance is particularly inopportune. On July 19th, the refugee pleading allegiance to the IS attacked tourists on a train and a German-Iranian teenager went on a shooting spree in Munich on July 22nd. The next day, a Syrian refugee blew himself up at a music festival. I wouldn't overplay it. It was only a few weapons and no indications it was an outside source. Peter Schulz, professor of international relations at the University of Göttingen, told RT. Of course, this will not contribute to a more relaxed atmosphere among German people as it adds fire to an already existing angst about the use in the in a potential terrorist attack. So, yeah. Okay. Not a shock. Anywhere there's weapons, you're going to find breaches eventually. Especially on an army base where you think the security is super high. You find out sometimes it's kind of lax. Well, and you it's would think stolen. especially a military base in a foreign country. Well, yeah, I was going to say that because, yeah, <laughs> lots of the, lots of the um, National Guard sites in the U.S. have had th quite large thefts over the years. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, you'd think in the middle of Germany, you'd think you might be a bit more careful. Well, it would, yeah. it would be just like if there were a German base in the middle of the United States. You would think that the German military would have that base locked up pretty good. But, yeah, well, see, if I've, you I've expect this, confidence... Yeah, I've said this before you, on the show, but I don't know if Margo's heard it. Uh, do you know, over a 10-year period, they they knew the amount of plutonium they'd made for nuclear weapons, and they knew the amount they had in nuclear weapons. The, the quantity was different by kilos. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm not surprised they, they lose guns and ammunition. Uh, no, uh, and after looking at that god-awful map, I'm stuff. not surprised. Yeah. Well, I mean, see, my dad retired from the military, okay? So um, if you think you're getting the best of the best of the best, sir, not anymore you're not. No. So if you get people who are screw-ups in real life and you've got them doing work they shouldn't be doing, you're going to run into problems. It doesn't matter what. Basically. And that's just experience tells me that. Yep. So I'm not really surprised. Um, so you going to try to burp for me? I, I ate. <laughs> I drank water. I've been vaping. There's, this story needs a burp, and I just don't have it in me. Okay. Deep uh, burping for you, though. <laughs> a built-in gym class, then handcuffs, and a lawsuit. Is fake burping in gym class enough to get a seventh grader arrested? Yes, according to a federal appeals court, which granted immunity to school officials sued by a kid's family after the 13-year-old was hauled off to juvenile detention in handcuffs. 
The officer's action was based on a New Mexico misdemeanor law that makes disrupting school activities a crime. In a 94-page opinion, the court backed the arrest, saying the law didn't forbid arresting someone for barping. One judge on the panel wrote a pungent four-page dissent explaining why that reasoning is wrong. But determining the correct outcome here is a little tricky. The arrest was clearly absurd, yet it isn't clear that a remedy for every stupid arrest is a federal lawsuit. The incident behind the case took place in May 2011. It began when a student at Cleveland Middle School in Albuquerque, known in court documents as FM, interrupted a physical education class by fake burping repeatedly. Can't make this stuff up. The teacher sent FM into the hall, but he continued to interrupt by poking his head back into the classroom and burping some more. In more innocent times, this might have merited a trip to the principal's office. Instead, the teacher called the school resources officer, Arthur Acosta, an officer in the Albuquerque State Police Department assigned to the school. FM denied the burping. Some things never change. But Acosta brought him to the school's office and made him sit in chair while he went to get his computer from his car. When Acosta returned, he told FM that he was placing him under arrest for committing the misdemeanor of violating New Mexico's school disruption law, which says... No person shall willfully interfere with the educational process of any public or private school by committing or threatening to commit or inciting others to commit any act which would disrupt, impair, interfere with, or obstruct the lawful mission, processes, procedures, or functions of a public or private school. The officer told the school principal, who suspected FM, suspended FM for the day and called FM's mother, though without reaching her. The officer then brought FM to his police cruiser, patted him down, handcuffed him, and took him to the juvenile detention facility. FM was released later that afternoon into his mother's custody. If you're steaming at this point in the story, you're not alone. FM's mother sued the principal, an assistant principal, and the police officer. The basis for her claim was false arrest in violation of FM's constitutional rights pursuant to the Civil Rights Act Statute 42 U.S.C. Section 1983. Section 1983 suit and vindication of constitutional rights is a special legal beast. To proceed against a public official, a plaintiff needs to show that the official acted in violation of a clearly established law. Almost all officials sued under Section 1983 assert what is called qualified immunity. That means if their actions were in line with any reasonable official would have believed lawful, the suit ends. The defense raised by the police officer and principals was simple. The New Mexico law under which FM was arrested makes it a crime to disrupt school procedures. FM's burping disrupted class to the point where teaching and learning could no longer occur. It was therefore reasonable to arrest him pursuant to the law. The handcuffs and juvenile detention were simply standard procedures that must follow arrest. A federal district court found in favor of the school officials and police officer. The mother's appeal focused on the police officer alone. So, yeah. Um, here, things got a little technical panel said there was no case on file explicitly interpreting the law to exclude petty interruptions. In his sting dissent, Judge Neil Gorsh pointed out that there was a precedent dating back to 1974, State v. Silva, holding that trivial interference doesn't count as a crime and that it must be a more substantial, more physical invasion of school operations, as well as proof the student is substantially interfered with actual functioning of the school. Um... The panel replied formalistically that the Silva case was interpreting a different statute, one that governs colleges rather than schools. Um, the deeper question of how to resolve incidents of official overreach like this one. The panel was trying to keep the issues out of the courts altogether. Ghosh wanted the courts to resolve it. Perhaps the best outcome is for the case to get enough publicity that such episodes don't reoccur. The... Go ahead. All I will see is my... 
when I was at school, we'd mm -hmm. have all been locked up <laughs> if that law was, you know, our school. Well, because, you know, yeah, people disrupted classes all the damn time. Mm -hmm. All I can say is this. In the United States, it's funny. Um, you have constitutional rights that apply to you as a human being everywhere you go, unless you're a high school student, because a lot of the school rules actually violate your constitutional rights. Margo? I, I'm sitting here. It's like slap me with a stupid stick. Um, <laughs> you know, did what happened to... I know here the schools still have a detention hall. Mm -hmm. So you pull the kid out. You're going to suspend the kid because they're disruptive. Okay, I'm with it so far. You can't get a hold of mom on the phone. Okay, I'm there too. You put the kid in in-school suspension or detention hall until you can get a parent. Why, why, why did you have to cuff this kid and haul him off to juvenile detention? For burping! Because the officer had nothing better to do, and he's an ass. I think what, would be what the main reply to that the one. The kid had gas. As you say, I've got, I've, mean, got, I've got a stomach condition where I have a lot of gas. Uh, okay, I don't burp as such that often, but it's, you know, other type of gas. But yeah. Or, or yeah, what if I, he I, had I'd, allergies I'd and he was sneezing all the time? I mean, yeah. my God. It would have been one thing if he started a fight, but for the love of God, he was being a 13-year-old punk. Treat him like a 13-year-old punk and move on. Yeah, and what happened oh. to the old-fashioned physical instructors who, if he'd pulled that shit, he'd defend himself doing lots and lots of press-ups or... Yeah, running up and down the bleacher or... stairs for the rest yeah. of the period or something. I mean, oh. <laughs> yeah. I miss yeah. common sense. I do too. I can't believe we completely legislated it away. Yeah. Sad. It's a sad time. You, you gotta be Make careful using the phrase stick. common sense because I believe there is a legal definition for it. You'll be unsurprised to learn. Yeah. They can fight me. <laughs> I think she means reasoning above a five-year-old's educational level. Yeah. That's probably the standards definition. It's like there, there is actually a yeah. there is there is actually a legal definition of act of God as well. Yeah, well, lawyers trust me like putting labels on everything. So yeah. Oh, trust me, I know what the legal definition of act of God is. It's the reason that Florida Power and Light allowed a transformer to send unfettered electricity into my old home to the point that it blew out every fucking appliance I owned and then looked at me after we were without power for 18 hours, at which point they finally admitted, yeah, we knew this transformer was going, but, and we knew you had a ridiculous amount of current cur um, voltage and current going into your appliances, but we didn't tell you, we didn't do anything about it because we figured, you know, we were just going to have to replace it. Okay, so what if I had had a fire? Well, that would have been an act of God. No, it's an act of your fucking negligence. You knew it was happening. Um, you refused to replace it. That's an act of negligence. I, I but... worry about your power company because, yeah, that sort of shit doesn't happen over here. If a transformer mm. overpowers Starts to like go. that, mm -hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't make it out of the substation because there are safety systems that absorb the excess. 
Oh yeah. no, Florida, Florida's it, a third world country. I'm sorry. Oh no, is. no, it's just as bad here because let's stop and think. Five years ago, over a third of Joplin, Missouri, got wiped out from an F5 tornado. Do you think they buried the power lines, or did no. they just put up new poles and they still have them going across the sky again? Of course they do. <laughs> yeah. Hello. They're not going to spend a penny more than they have to, especially if it's going to interfere with their profit margin. And we all know that. Yeah. That yeah. is the way business runs. It runs, you know, stupidly. Yeah. And aggravatingly. <sighs> Much like, apparently, your school system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, the school systems here are run by individual states, and uh, some are less intelligent than others. Um. Oh, Some of I've, the others are worse. Go I, ahead. I've got a shiny moment for you. I, I happened okay. to watch uh, <laughs> a, a rerun of Judge Judy a few days ago, where, where really? there was a Texas private school mm -hmm. um, being sued by the family because the kid had misbehaved. Because he'd been moved from his previous school because he had behavioural issues. So they okay. signed him up to this private school. Mm -hmm. And their, their way of dealing with his bad behaviour was basically to lock him in the cupboard. Uh, mm hmm and somebody had come, come every few hours to see if he needed to go to the toilet, because oh, he, he couldn't get out himself. Nice. Uh, so the the family pulled him out of school and sued him. Ended up on Judge Judy. Right. When Judge Judy was questioning the principal and the commissioner for the school, mm -hmm. she discovered these people only had associate qualifications. <laughs> She's like, and she, you know, she 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 was really late. As as you know, she worked in family law so uh -huh. yeah she really laid into them because you know the, guy, mm -hmm. the the commissioner she's just like who even assessed this kid to say he was all right to be at your school well i assessed him and she's like and her response was something along the lines of you've got a high school diploma you're not qualified to assess anyone <laughs> <laughs> the guy the guy was getting very upset but yeah yeah you don't argue with her because, yeah, no. what, 40 years working in the... Mm-hmm. Family law. The family yeah. law courts. Yeah. So he knows what oh, she's talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, you know what I saw the other day? I saw that one of the courts... I saw film. One of the court districts in Texas, um, when they arrest people, when they send women to jail... You go in what you wear. If you're there more than three days, they will issue you a jumpsuit. If not, you go into court and whatever, wearing whatever. They bought a woman into court wearing her nightie. She'd worn that for three days. She hadn't had a shower. She had no pants. She's standing there. She's all embarrassed. She's almost crying. She had a shoplifting charge, right? I don't know what she shoplifted, nor do I care. But um, instead of finding her, they wrote down that they wanted to put her in jail for 75 days and the judge lost her mind. She called people from the jail to come to the court and explain why there was a woman standing there pantsless who needed hygiene products and a shower and wasn't allowed to take one. That's just the way they do things there. That was their explanation. Yeah. Yep. Oh, God. No, no. The, she Sorry, had shoplifted. Wonderful. Yeah. She had shoplifted. They caught, they let her leave and they went and arrested her at home. 
God, it, it just, it blew my mind. I was like, wow, because that's kind of the same thing. That's nakedness. Um, that's akin to torture. Uh, Amnesty International will even tell you keeping someone without access to hygiene products and showers and in a, in a state of nakedness um, makes them more in tune with being a prisoner. You know what I mean? It, it really was but kind of terrible. If they did this in her own home, could someone not have followed her to her bedroom so she could put some clothes on? Oh, you're wait! Expe you're expecting water. It's that common sense thing again. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Where's my stupid stick? <laughs> well, clearly you're you're not uh, you're not smart enough to run a jail. Neither am I. Durr! No. <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty bad. But yeah, pantsless for three days. That's shit. Uh, I, yeah. Yay, the justice system. Okay. So I said I was going to get to three on the banks. Do we want to, well, I have two on the banks and two on the IMF. What do we want to tackle first? The IMF or the big banks? Anybody have a preference? Okay. Uh, Goldman Sachs sued by ex-manager over Fed Secrets leak probe. Goldman Sachs, Inc., was sued by a former executive who claims the bank failed to pay at least $350,000 in legal fees he racked up while defending himself in a government investigation into stolen Federal Reserve documents that wound up in his email inbox. Joseph Dimipito, a one-time managing director at the company's investment banking division, was fired in 2014 for failing to tell his superiors that an associate who used to work at the Fed emailed secret central bank documents to him, according to a complaint filed Thursday in Wilmington, Delaware. Timapito maintains he was a Goldman Sachs officer at the time of the government investigation and was therefore entitled to have his attorney fees and expenses paid by the bank as outlined in his bylaws. The federal probe didn't result in any charges against Timapito. The case may hinge on how a judge interprets Timapito's title of managing director. The same Delaware court this month ruled Goldman Sachs wasn't required to pay the legal fees of Sergei Avnikov, um, a former programmer accused of stealing the investment bank's computer trading code simply because his title was vice president. Wrongly refused. Goldman Sachs has wrongly refused to indemnify him for his attorney's fees and expenses incurred in connection with his successful defense of the investigation, Jim Pito's attorney, Adam Ford, said in the complaint. Michael DeVay, a spokesman for the New York-based Goldman Sachs, declined to comment on the lawsuit. Although charges were filed against Jim Pito and no action was taken against him by the financial services regulators, the Federal Reserve staff told lawyers in May that they would recommend the Fed board bring an enforcement proceeding against him for directing an underlying, an underling to acquire the secret information and then using it for Goldman's financial gain, according to the complaint. The underlying case highlights problems with the so-called revolving door between government and Wall Street, which offers former regulators the chance to work at much higher salaries for institutions they once oversaw. Ronit Basel, a former Goldman Sachs associate who reported to Jim Apito 
received the secret information from Jason Gross, an ex-colleague who was still working at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York at the time. Gross was sentenced in March to a year of probation for leaking the information. Bensel, who worked for the government for seven years before leaving in 2014 to join Goldman Sachs, was sentenced to two years probation. The case is Jim Apito v. Goldman Sachs Group, Inc. Wilmington. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that Goldman Sachs would screw over somebody who worked for them. That just seems to be their modus operandi. They screw over anybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm shocked. Well, any, <laughs> anyone shocked. who doesn't have the name Goldman or Sachs. Sachs. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. 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 So, I, th I think the, the only people who, who won't get screwed over are indeed the board of directors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty much. If uh, not on the board, worry. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's that. Okay, why a major Malaysian major Malaysian bank investor is suing Goldman Sachs and Tim Lister. They're accused of committing fraud to gain influence. That's hard to believe because, you know, the banks always act out of their, you know, the kindness of their hearts. Goldman Sachs was accused on Tuesday by a major shareholder of a Malaysian bank, uh, a Malaysian bank it wants to advise which accused the Wall Street Bank of fraudulently shortchanging it in a merger to curry favor with that country's prime minister. In a complaint filed in New York State Supreme Court in Manhattan, Primus Pacific Partners said it was seeking $510 million of damages from Goldman and former managing director Tim Lesnar after the bank concealed its conflict of interest with Prime Minister Najib Razik and Malaysia's 1MDB sovereign wealth fraud. Uh, Goldman called the lawsuit misguided and said it would defend against it. A lawyer for Lesnar did not immediately respond to requests for comment. The complaint was filed six days after the U.S. government moved to seize $1 billion of assets bought with the money it said was stolen from one MDB by people close to Najib, including some money from bond offerings arranged by Goldman. Najib has previously denied wrongdoing. According to the complaint, Primus once owned 20% of Eon Capital, a bank that Goldman was advising as it weighed a takeover bid from Malaysia's Hong Leon Bank, BHD. Primus, Primus uh, said Goldman and Lesnar in January 2010 deemed Hong Kong Leong's uh, first bid unfair, only to decide three months later that a revised offer of only 2.8% higher was fair. It said Goldman urged acceptance of the higher bid to bolster its standing with Najib because a merger would enrich his brothers, uh, Nazim Reznik, a Hong Ling director, and Nazir Rizik, uh, chairman of the CIMB, which advised Hong Ling on the bid. As a result of Goldman Sachs fraud and breach of fiduciary duties, the price at which HLB required EO, acquired EON capital was hundreds of million dollars below fair value. No unconflicted investment bank could have found the second NHLB offer fair or recommended that the board accept it. Primus is seeking at least $170 million in damages, representing its alleged losses from Goldman's activity, plus at least $340 million in punitive damages. Jeeb, his brothers, and one MDB were not named as defendants. The fund's full name is One Malaysia Development or Hard. In June 2010, Hong Kong-based Primus had filed a lawsuit in Malaysia to stop 
Honglings, um, U.S. $1.7 billion takeover of EON Capital. The court there dismissed the case the following April. This plaintiff previously lost its challenge in the Malaysian court seeking to stop a transaction involving a Malaysian company, which was then approved by shareholders. Goldman spokesman Andrew Williams said in a statement, we'll vigorously contest this misguided additional lawsuit. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, hard to believe they would stoop to such shady behavior to curry favor with the government, huh? I'm shocked. Uh, yeah, everybody's shocked. No, no comment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the chief of the INF, everybody knows Christine Lagarde. Um, yeah, she's going to court. Uh, I am Chief Lagarde to stand trial in... 400 million payout case court. IMF Chief Lagarde must stand trial for her role in a $400 million payout case while she was French finance minister back in 2008. France's highest appeals court has ruled. Lagarde is accused of negligence which resulted in misuse of public funds by a third party. The court is cast on one of France's courts of last resort said in a statement Friday. The IMF board is in the meantime said the organization is confident that Lagarde is able to carry out her duties effectively following the ruling. The reason I put this in here is because it kind of reminded me of the United States having a person up for president while being investigated by the FBI. I don't know why it just reminded me of that. Um, News that the IMF chief may face a negligence trial in France had been circulating in the media for several years. Bernard Tepay, a former owner of Marseille's football club, was awarded $400 million compensation in a lawsuit against the French bank Credit Lyonnais, which he accused of undervaluing his stake in a multinational sportswear company, Adidas. Lagarde, who was, his, who was former President Nicholas Sarkovsky's finance minister at the time, sent the case to arbitration and ratified the payout. Tepe, who, along with his business interests, was also a politician, was a key shareholder in Adidas. In a search of funds in 1993, he began to look for buyers of a stake, which he eventually sold to Credit Lions for 2 billion francs. A few months later, the bank, which then belonged to the state, resold the assets to businessman Robert Louis Dreyfus, really? For twice the price. Tepe accused Credit Lines of fraud and demanded compensation for lost profits, which eventually paid out in 2007. In 2007, then-Finance Minister Lagarde intervened in the process and appointed a special committee to resolve the issue. The committee eventually ruled in favor of Tepe and decided to pay him about $400 million. In 2013, Tepe was placed under formal investigation for organized fraud scandal threatened to expose an allegedly corrupt system at the highest level in the country during Sarkovsky's presidency. That same year, French authorities searched Lagarde's home over the probe. She had been under investigation since 2011, but has denied any wrongdoing. In March 2014, after the third investigation into the case, the IMF chief said she always acted in the best interest of the country in accordance with the law. She confirmed she faced negligence charges in a multi-million euro fraud case in August 2014. However, Lagarde's lawyer said he is convinced that the trial will show the IMF head is innocent. Yeah. You're a banker. Your lips are moving. You're the same as a politician. Ding, ding, ding. Um, Alex is here, guys. So are we ready to do the Cassop date? 
Yeah. Sure. You just okay. need to click into the channel. Okay. Um, can you click into the... Even... I can't generate a... I can't generate anything to get him in. Oh, hang on. I'll send him a Skype message. Okay. Okay. Alright. And he's all red. Don't ask me why. I have no idea. Yeah, it's nifty. Okay. Um, can you try saying something before we start? He's not in yet. Okay. Um... Auntie Nanny to join the channel. There he is. Okay. Um, can you hear us, Alex? I can I'm hear sure, you. I'm sure he can hear a lot of things. <laughs> People walked uh, through my front door and my alarm went off. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Um, <laughs> good evening, and. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to the CASA update for the week of 8-1-2016. Hi, Alex, and how are you this evening? Uh, good. I accidentally took a very, very long nap. Well, you probably <laughs> needed one. You've been traveling around the country like a maniac. What's been happening? Oh, man. I'm home for more than 24 hours. It's great. Wow. So you get to see your wife. Oh, no, she's still in Montreal, so oh. <laughs> we haven't quite accomplished that yet. Um, yeah, uh, so last time we spoke, I was in D.C. Yes. Um, and that was good. We, we, Julie and I were there. We got uh, some media training, um, so that was good. And I had an opportunity to try and put that to use today. Um, uh -huh. Kind of spur of the moment, ended up on... Um, I guess it's kind of an online radio show. Okay. Excuse me, I really needed a sip of water. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, with the Libertarian Professor. Okay. Um, let me see if I got his name right here. His name is Scott. Okay. Um, and his name is Scott Ford. Uh, he's from Texas. Okay. And actually found out that he is running for uh, Texas. I, I don't know if it's a senator or or, um, uh, or house, but okay. he's running. He's running for a position in the Texas legislature. Okay. So if, if you live in Texas, definitely uh, do a little bit of research on one of your candidates, uh, yeah. Scott Ford. That's okay. state le state legislature. Okay. Uh, and he actually went to a vape event this past okay. weekend mm -hmm. and uh, ended up uh, doing an interview with the guy that runs the vape shop there and okay. found, all, found all about um, the uh, deeming regulations. So um, <laughs> that was a good conversation with him. And uh, we'll put the replay up in Casa channels, okay. wherever that will go. Um, but uh, okay. I was on. I was on there with Jeff Jeff Steyer from the National. Oh wow! Um, yeah. Or, yeah. Did you have a good time? 
it was a good chat and i you know realize once again um you know the value of, of everything that we do because there are still just millions of people out there who don't fully understand what's happening and um i'm really grateful for the opportunity to speak to somebody who is a non-smoker a non-vapor and just uh you know this guy's a libertarian so right. genuinely interested in the, the free market uh, mm -hmm. solution to uh, the, the smoking issue. Right. <clears throat> so yeah, um, that was good and totally so a that's surprise. That's cool. I, I found that is that's completely a surprise. So uh, yeah, I I found I think his uh, show page. <laughs> nice. I can give you that. So yay. Um, I stuck that in the chat for anybody who's interested and I'll add it to the, the uh, notes for the podcast later. Um, so that was good. How's Jeff Steyer doing? Still fighting the good fight? Jeff Jeff seemed well and always and on point as always. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, so yeah, that was an interesting way to um, an interesting something to do. Uh, out of the blue on a Monday afternoon um, after traveling all over the place <laughs> <laughs> and speaking mostly to vapors. Yeah. Um, so this weekend, this past weekend, I was in Washington state in Tacoma. Right. Um, and uh, I went out there. I, I met up with uh, uh, Stefan uh, Didak yeah. uh, from Not Blowing Smoke. Mm -hmm. uh, for those who, who don't know. And um, we hung out with the Pink Lung Brigade, yeah. who have been absolutely vital to the fight in Washington State. Uh, this is the scrappy group of, of uh, vapors and vapor businesses that got together, mm -hmm. I guess, um, 2011? Right. 2012 yeah. I, I it been around for a while mm -hmm. um, and started that was their i believe their first battles with uh taxes in in washington if yeah. i remember correctly mm -hmm. uh and, and this has been a fight that's sort of come back every year <laughs> and um this year they were instrumental in getting uh, a decent law passed uh, that um, I, I, I have to review it in order to get all of the details, but um, I remember looking at it and thinking that the only reason that Casaw wasn't going to get behind it was because it had a labeling provision in there. Right. Um, but uh, the labeling of pr provision has a sunset provision, which means that as soon as the FDA regulations become effective, the Washington law stops being the washington law so right. that was that was a pretty quick turnaround there that makes um, sense but uh otherwise it, it uh i believe defines vapor products separately from from tobacco and from cigarettes yeah. and um it was generally a, a decent law it, it, it built in some some protections for the industry so sure um those guys were, were vital to it and, and uh uh, just, I was generally really excited. I've never met anybody from the Pink Lung Brigade, so it was it was really valuable to get out there and, and put yeah. faces to um, 
you know, Facebook profiles and stuff. So uh, it was it was good. Yeah. No, that's that's cool. So you had a lot of you had a lot of fun. You met a lot of people. I'm guessing. I'm I'm like not the most fun person in the world, you know, <laughs> traditionally speaking. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was very good to meet those folks, and um, I just I, I it, it's great to meet other people in their you know their state associations, uh, especially a, a group that's been successful mm -hmm. and has been doing this for a while because we have a lot to learn from each other. And, and I, I value that very highly. So, um, yeah, just really looking forward to, to working with them going sure. forward. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Um, I do want to say I, I see a lot of vendors seem to be confused about the 8th once again. Um, I notice a lot of Facebook messages and, and emails and people are just really at a loss. And that's still kind of surprising to me because we've known about this coming for quite some time. Yeah, uh, and fortunate for you, you don't also see the phone calls. Um, that's uh, that's a pretty daily thing. I, I think I may have um, helped tamp that down a bit because small businesses are also a bit confused about what Casa does. Yeah, and um, and I, you know. Look, I, I'm not insensitive to this. There has sure. been, you know, well, first of all, there are just so many businesses. I mean, we're we've got to be over ten thousand. I think somebody may have said fourteen thousand wow. businesses across the country, and you know, of that fourteen thousand, uh, there were about a thousand that were members of Safada. Uh, and of course, not all of those are small businesses. Some of them are, are larger manufacturers. And right. so it, it, it really is, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, living in a digital world, we think that everybody's on Facebook and information just flows freely and everybody knows exactly what they need to know when they need to know it. But uh, it, is, it is quite remarkable that it, despite how digital we've gotten, um, there's still a need for face-to-face, -face, you know, word of mouth and, and, and in print information for people. Yeah. Um, so, and, and this is a great example, of, you know, just getting the word out about the right, I mean, you know, the, the federal government isn't doing a job of <laughs> actually <laughs> communicating to the public that this is happening. You know, the FDA is not going to take out a billboard and say, you know, Hey kids, remember on August eighth, uh, don't <laughs> sell to the miners and and some other stuff. Yeah. But so I, I have spent quite a bit of time actually, um, and my you know my the standard disc, the standard qualification that I give is you know we are a consumer organization and we um, deal mostly with con, you know the consumer side of this. Right. So I you know I. I'm happy to share with you what I know about the deeming regulations, but none of this is advice to industry. Mm -hmm. Certainly yeah. not, certainly not legal advice. So, um, so yeah, you know, I've gotten questions about what, what, what's the deal with sampling? Um, <laughs> can I let people under the age of 18 into my shop? Um, uh, what was the other one? Um, 
those are two of the big ones. I'm sure there's like, there's like five questions that people have been asking. Mm -hmm. Oh, can I rebuild coils um, <laughs> and, and all of this stuff? Yeah. And actually, you know, and I, I had said this to me, this is actually kind of a, a thing that I got from Greg Conley. Right. Um, if you manufacture coils in your store, mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> technically after the eighth, you, you can, you can do it. it it's, right. it's just the reason why a lot of us are sort of speculating that it, it will be, um, it'll go away is, and, and why people may choose to not do it is because it, it's very difficult to um, make the same coil every single time unless sure. you are a master. Now, I met a guy in, in Washington. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to take another sip of water. Okay, sure. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people are masters at this stuff. And... Yeah, so I, I met a guy in, in Washington who, uh, I, unfortunately, I'm not going to mention his product, but uh, he right. is... He's a master at building coils by hand, and he, you know, he is skilled enough that he can do it the same way every single time and quickly. And so, you know, he's not one of these, you know, um, craftspeople mm -hmm. who's sitting behind the counter at a vapor shop and also does other stuff. You know, also sweeps up the floor. That's that's his business. He he makes coils right. um, for a living and so someone like him who can do the same product consistently over and over again mm -hmm. uh he, he's got a lot to go through in order to um make sure that he can you know demonstrate what his products are mm -hmm. uh but he he will likely be able to stay in business now if he right. can do it i'm sure that there are several other talented people out there who have the same, you know, relatively the same skills mm -hmm. and can offer the same service. You just have to be able to document it and be able to demonstrate if asked that the, the, the 0.5 ohm coil that you sold a month ago is the same as the 0.5 ohm coil you're selling in three weeks from now. Right. That's, that's what they're going to be looking for. And, you know, if it's a 0.59 coil or 0.55 coil, yep. there's that potential that the FDA is going to say, well, you know, this is this is a totally different product and you don't have this in your system. Yep. Uh, so you, this is a, this is a new product. You can't mm -hmm. sell it. You can sell a 0.5 ohm coil, but not 0.55. So, right. you know, um, and, and I don't really know. Nobody really knows what. Um, you know whether or not there's going to be kind of a limit on the you know, if, there's, if there's going to be a threshold of, right. you know, of, of, of variance within the product mm -hmm. um, sure. you know certainly in every other industry you know you know things that there are there is a bit of a variance there and, and mm -hmm. um, there are acceptable limits that, that you can you can have uh, we just don't know what that is and so generally speaking and as you know, an effective way to raise some awareness. Right. Um, you know, people should be aware that uh, things like that are are likely going to disappear. <sighs> yeah, it, it's it's a difficult time, and I know you and I actually both commented on a post where someone was saying, 
to buy juice, they had to take a selfie of themselves holding their license and send it to the vape shop so that they could get a code to type into the website so that their order could go through. That that yeah. sort of age verification is going to become really interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what the FDA accepts. Yeah, and to expand on that a bit, actually, Stefan and I, and we talked about this on the Uber ride back to the airport, mm -hmm. um, and that is one particular product that 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 retailers will have, online retailers you know, will have to choose from. Right. Um, and, and there are no, I mentioned this, I think, in our, one of our newsletters, one of the updates, that, you know, currently, um, you know, the, the deeming regulations say, starting on August 8th, you know, all sales, you, you have to be able to, first of all, you can't sell to anybody under 18, and... Sure. You know, somehow you have to verify at least for online sales. Actually, I can't remember if they specifically get into online sales. Right. So previously, Alex had been talking about <laughs> get people getting into online sales on the the question okay. with deeming regulations. Well, right. Um, see, I think I don't know if anybody heard like when I was talking about people having to take selfies of themselves with their ID. Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just off so, disconnected. Yeah. Okay. So we were talking about online sales and what the government will accept when the, the entire internet just decided to be <clears throat> a pain. So we were saying we don't really know what methods they're going to accept for online sales. So the whole bit about, did, did anybody hear the bit about the coils? No. Can we start around a bit on the coils? Can everyone else hear? I can yeah, hear. They can hear or, us. Or, oh, we're back. We're back live. We're back, back. <laughs> we're back. And we're, we're back. We're, and we, yeah, we're, we're all here. <laughs> Sorry. So um, I can I can pick it back up around okay. uh, coils and and coils. just re restart my story about the gentleman that I met in, in Washington. If that's okay. if that's, that's where we we did no we, we you'd started that. Uh, okay. <laughs> but okay. Yes. Um, um, we can joint it together and people can figure it out. <laughs> well, yeah. Our, our, so okay. Well, just to I, we can well we'll. we'll uh, roll it back just a little bit into the coils, okay. just as we did miss that. Um, did anybody pull the chat and see where we where we left off, or is there a chat left? Uh, yeah, there's 14 people in here. So if anybody can, what kind of pizza? No, we're not talking about pizza. I'm glad no. we talk about pizza. No, we're not talking about pizza. <laughs> I mean, we can, but it's just not now. What was the last thing you heard in the Casa update, you guys? Chat. Yeah, you were gone long before Alex. Well, you know, you're back. We're happy to have you. Did anybody hear anything? Um, Coil Welcome building. to the show, Alex. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> Coil building was the last thing that Thomas heard. Okay. okay. Coil building. So to pick up where we left off before the internet just decided to take a little nap, <clears throat> we're going to speak about coil building. 
as, as being a manufactured product. That's the important thing. Okay. Oh, wow. I'm, oh. Wow, that was surreal. I know I was also listening on Vapor's Place. So I was like, oh my God, why are we starting from the beginning a couple of times now? I apologize. <clears throat> my mistake. So, uh, coiled, I got that sorted now. Uh, coil building. Okay. Um, okay. So, um, yes, the, the issue with the coil building is that. Uh, I guess we already said it, it. You know, there's nothing in the the regs that are saying you can't build coils, et cetera, et cetera. What happens is you become a manufacturer, and you need to be able to demonstrate that you're making the same product consistently over and over again. And there's, you know, I, the, the way that it has been described is, um, you know, you have a, a PLU code or or whatever button programmed into your point of sale system, and so you know, if you're if you're selling a, a 0.5 ohm coil, you're selling a 0.5 ohm coil. It's the same thing every time. It's built the same way, and it it, it reads 0.5 every time. Now, if if you know if if an inspector comes in, and by the way, and this is not something that we covered the first time, but it's worth bringing up again. Um, and another piece of advice that that Greg is is fond of, of putting out there is, uh, you know, retrain your staff uh, right. and. Uh, to uh, I mean, this isn't this isn't Casa advice to industry. I'm just reporting the news here. Um, okay. But you know, retrain your staff to be aware that there are going to be uh, undercover compliance inspections. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you know, these are uh, you know, it's suspected that you know th these could be young, attractive you know girls or boys mm -hmm. um, who uh, are able to charm the pants off of your employees. And get your get your staff to do things that they they wouldn't normally do, um, and so on. So, uh, and you may you may you may be inspected and not even realize it. So, yep. um, it, it, but to bring that back to coil building, um, <clears throat> if you if you build a coil that's 0.5 ohms on you know August 9th, and then on September 15th they come back and that same product measures out at 0.55. Right. Uh, they may say that well, you're you're manufacturing a new tobacco product, and you can't continue to do this without a PMTA. Okay. That's that's how I that's how I think I suspect that that will happen. You you will get a, a warning right. to to remove that product from from uh, the market, and um, you know you could maybe take that a step further, and and they may say that you know you're just not doing this consistently enough that you can. Um, right continue offering this product without some sort of substantial upgrade to your facilities or however that is. Um, and of course, you know, in a, in a manufacturing environment, the, the, the FDA may deem that standing behind a counter in you know, the open vape shop, shop is not a, uh, a sanitary enough condition. So lots of things to consider uh, mm -hmm. in, in manufacturing generally. Um, but as a, as a general piece of advice, um, it's the consistency that's going to be the issue and making sure that you have a specific uh, way to, you know, you, that, that 0.5 ohm, that 0.6 ohm, et cetera, right. that particular coil is listed separately in your catalog or, you know, wherever, whatever your it's got its own skew, skew it's mm -hmm. got its own PLU on the, the point of sale system, 
what, mm-hmm. what have you. Right. Um, so that's that. And then, you know, there's, uh, there's also sort of the, the, the sort of subversive angle to this that I would love to see shop owners actually be able to pull off, which is um, come December 31st, you have to register all of these products. Uh, so I, I can imagine that uh, thousands of shops across the country logging or, or registering, um, I don't know how many different combinations of coils that people can build. Mm-hmm. But sending that in and making the FDA <laughs> check all of that, I, I think would be wonderful. Um, so I, I, I think I, the F, I think the Center for Tobacco Products is going to be drowning in PMT, uh, not PMTAs, but registrations for a while, a yeah, lot that, longer than they think. That that could keep them very busy. And uh, from a consumer perspective, um, I, I I totally think that's a great idea. Uh, yeah. Not the not necessarily the best industry advice, but um, you know to kind of help consumers make the point uh, just how important the variety of products are to sure. our continued success. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would absolutely love to see that. Um, so that was the coil thing. I think I expanded on that a little bit, uh, you did. and then I guess the after that we went into uh, well, I, I Yeah, what, right? what I. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is, so if you sell pre-made coils, will you actually have to put the, this product is made or derived from tobacco on the coil package if you sell it? No. No. Um, okay. So and, we've decided that's ridiculous? Well, it's not entirely ridiculous. And I, this was a source of confusion for me as well. And then I've had a couple of different people um, give me the, the different opinion on that particular, it's a paragraph in, in um, the deeming rags. Yeah. Um, so my initial understanding was that this particular um, provision is it's specifically for <clears throat> actual tobacco products that have been denicotinized for example for example there is or will be a Mm -hmm. combustible tobacco cigarette out there that doesn't have any nicotine oh right the um the very low like the very low nicotine cigarettes that sort of thing well that would be a very low nicotine cigarettes we're talking about tobacco products that don't contain any nicotine um they, Uh they are actually made from leaf tobacco, tobacco but there's but no, nicotine no nicotine in it just imagine the process by which cigarette manufacturers make sheet tobacco mm-hmm. all of the all of the flavors and all the all of the natural flavors and the, the chemicals that occur naturally in a leaf of tobacco are stripped out until you're mm-hmm. left with just cellulose and then they, they they put all that stuff back in and regulate the levels and change a lot of things the same process can be used to make a zero nicotine tobacco leaf product. Um, so it, that it was my understanding that that provision applied to that. Okay. Um, however, I, I've heard other people say that, it, you know, sort of as a, it, it's sort of a CYA that right. you as a manufacturer would put that same warning on a bottle of zero milligram nicotine. Okay. Um, sure. I, I'm not in the business of, of telling people to do things that are going to put their business in jeopardy. 
Um, But to me, it does seem, uh, this whole thing seems extraordinarily silly. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's that. But as far as, (laughs) you know, the federal government requiring people to put this product is made from tobacco on a bottle of liquid that has no nicotine in it, that the manufacturer would be able to verify that there is no nicotine in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it that just seems that that is stupid. I mean that. I mean, well, that's I, an outright lie. I, I know that. that is. Yeah, I know that we can you know make our typical cynical comment about the government sure. and, and regulations and so I'm on. Not, but, I I'm mean, not. I'm not. This is just... this is this is stupid even for them. So, um, <laughs> I, I I just I don't see that that is the thing and. Um, from what I understand, okay. um, you know, the labeling on your bottle is the labeling on your bottle. If, if you have to change the labeling to accommodate a warning label, mm-hmm. that's not something that should require you to get a PMTA right. for that bottle. Um, I don't know now, and I want somebody to, to check this. Okay. Uh, because you should, if you're a manufacturer, you should be checking this yourself. I do know. Get a lawyer. I do know that there is, I believe it was a state law. Okay. I, 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 for some reason, I feel like I'm getting confused between what is written in the, the federal code and what is a state law. Um, but I have seen it written somewhere that making a change to accommodate a warning label does not mean that you are making a new tobacco product or a new right. uh, thing. It's it's, a, it's something that's required no, by law. I, I think and, I and, read that somewhere in the 400 pages from hell. Yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and it has to be the case because the FDA will, you know, likely be updating warning labels at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, 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 they, you know, and that would be unfair to everyone to suddenly say that like, okay, so now you got to put our new warning label on here and everybody has to go through the PMTA process again. Yeah. Um, that would be good. Assuming that anybody actually gets through the PMTA process the sure. first time. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's that. I, I just, okay. yeah. yeah. Oh no, no. I, I, I'm not right there with you. Cause like I said, I only really see like the Facebook posts and messages and emails and that's kind of what i respond to i can't imagine how many phone calls you get they've tapered off this past weekend actually last week i got a bunch and i think a lot of it was uh you know all of a sudden people realized that the child nicotine poisoning uh child nicotine poisoning prevention prevention control act act yeah packaging act was a thing and were were suddenly keyed into you know oh my god there's laws affecting my business and and people started you know turning over rocks and realizing that a lot of this other stuff is right around the corner too um so we got a bunch of bunch of calls last week i i really couldn't get to them i had over 20 voicemails um that i just could not answer until this past weekend wow and i don't even think i i managed to return more than one or two of those calls um and and most of them were <clears throat> i have little tags on my the notes that i wrote to myself and most of it was right. fda packaging sorry there's yeah. uh, an ambulance driving by my house That's um, okay. <clears throat> so um 
yeah, yeah, we're getting lots of lots of inquiries. Sure. Um, and then, so uh, uh, did we uh, want to rehash the uh, age verification stuff? Did we did we lose all of that? Uh, I don't know. Did anybody hear us? talking about the guy who had to take a selfie of himself with his ID to buy e-liquid online and then he had to send it to the shop owner to get a code to go on the website to be able to pay for his order. Because if nobody heard about that, that's just one of the ways that people online are actually trying to verify your age. Okay, we had just started that. That was one okay. of the very last things we talked about. The, okay. Just that part. Okay. So um, to maybe rehash just a little bit, uh, I was uh, in an Uber with Stefan Didak uh, okay. on our way back to SeaTac this weekend, and, and he, okay. he mentioned that uh, this is a particular, this is a product that, uh, that online retailers can use uh, for age verification, and it, it basically matches up your, your current kind of selfie that you're asked to take at the moment with, a, with, right. the, with your driver's license picture. Right. Um, and uh, this is just going to be kind of one of the ways in one of the products that, that people can use to satisfy the age verification mm -hmm. um, requirements for online sales. Sure. But as it stands now, the deeming regulations don't actually spell out in detail what they expect from mm -hmm. some sort of online age verification software. Right. Um, the examples that we have, and I kind of speculated about this in our newsletter, uh, the examples that we have of what will be acceptable come from state laws where they have stated uh, that you need to use some sort of commercially available third-party database right. that cross-references the information on your driver's license with the information on your credit card and, and mm -hmm. so on and verifies that you are an adult. That right. level of detail is not fleshed out in the deeming regulations. They just say, don't sell to anyone under 18 and kind of leave it up, <laughs> leave it up to businesses to figure that out on their own. Mm -hmm. um, so it'll, it'll be an interesting thing to watch to see uh, whether or not the federal government steps in again and, and further get, and get specific on, on what they will accept. Right. Um, and I think that there are some, some lawyers, you know, combing over that particular provision and uh, trying to figure out, you know, what satisfies um, some sort of, you know, verifying this with some sort of government information as well. Sure. Um, so it, it, that the selfie driver's license thing seems like a, a, a good solution, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not entirely sure that that alone will satisfy uh, yeah. the age verification requirements. Yeah, I mean. It... <sighs> If you're going by biometrics data alone, yeah, maybe, but uh, even that can be hacked to some degree. Uh, computers can be fooled to some degree, so God knows what they're going to want. Yeah. And it is unfortunate that they don't spell it out for people because people are going into this blind and just doing the best they can. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, and the rest of it, you know, uh, they're they're just really not doing a very good job of communicating um, 
<laughs> the the details of this and they're, they're you know part of that is because if they get too specific about things then they i think expose themselves to some sort of liability mm -hmm. um so for the most part you know the industry is just left to kind of figure it out on their own and yeah. you know the fda really does not understand this industry they don't understand the effect of all of this on consumers and so um to uh to to steal a bit of uh, somebody else's phrase. We're we're all sort of the FDA's guinea pigs in this. Mm -hmm. Sure, um, I know <clears throat> when because I I do I do use snooze, and I have a friend who lives overseas. I'm not going to say where, but she lives on a military base, and buying snooze where she lives is about a hundred times more prohibitively expensive than it is for me. And I have a 99% of wholesale tax that I have to pay on snooze here mm -hmm. so you can imagine what the tax is like where she lives well she uses snooze so i put in an order and ups they don't get your driver's license or anything but they come to your house mm -hmm. and whoever answers the door better be over 18 they better be able to produce a driver's license and the Are, signatures it, better match or you don't get your order and they just it, leave is it 21 yeah so it's you gotta be 21 yeah yeah that's the other that's the other thing that that consumers should be aware of here that the age verification services that are offered by fedex and ups and yep. i don't know if usps does it um but those are for 21 and over yep and uh they cost more money so at mm -hmm. the, the at the very least here you know depending on how the retailer chooses to ship these things yep. Uh, first, you're looking at more expensive for shipping. Mm -hmm. Second, um, you're looking at if you are under the age of 21, not being able to receive mail orders. Yep. Uh, so any of those 18, 19 year old people who uh, have the, the, the limited privilege of being able to quit smoking by switching to vapor products and you depend on vapor products in the mail, uh, you, you may be looking at uh, trying to find a different option soon. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Um, it, it's really sad that it's just all up in the air. It, it's all kind of regulating off the cuff, it seems like. Some things are well thought out and others are just not. The age verification is not well thought out at all. At all. No. Yeah, it's all very pie in the sky um yeah I, it, um someone's asking me about lawsuits uh you want to go to the website tobacco on trial every day and check for lawsuit updates because they'll be there you don't have to get a pacer account you can just go right to the website tobacco on trial.com and all the legal documents for the day will be there and you can get them in pdf format that's how i've been keeping up with the the legal stuff I just figured I'd let people know that. I'm sorry. No, uh, I, I, I rely on like email messages from Julie or oh, somebody right. saying, hey, there's a Nobody lawsuit. Nobody says anything to me, so I just I just go looking for it. But that's that's a good um that's a good uh, reference point for consumers who are yeah. curious about the, the legal matters. Especially the lawsuits. Okay. Sorry about that. Go ahead, Alex. No worries. Good good bit of information. Um, <clears throat> so, um, 
Yeah, I, I guess that's those are kind of the, the popular questions. Um, the other question I've gotten is, you know, will uh, vape meets continue? Will, will expos continue? Um, the free sampling or, or sampling in general? I think a lot of people are confused about the difference between sampling and free sampling. Right. Um, and it's it's really just a, an exchange of money. Um, yes. And I'm not I'm not going to lay down a, a, a dollar amount that people need to charge, mm -hmm. but. Uh, you know, as far as the FDA is concerned, as long as you're not giving it away for free, you can continue to allow customers to sample. And, uh, and another very important point to bring up that tends to get lost mm -hmm. <clears throat> is, um, you know, people, people are kind of confused as to what it means now that the, the federal government defines this as a tobacco product. Um, unless your state law is mm -hmm. written to specifically reference the, the, the federal, uh, the U S code of federal regulations, right. um, in, in as to where they get their tobacco definition from mm -hmm. your state has to go back and update their tobacco, their tobacco definition. And they usually have to do it in different parts of the code. So, you know, there's a portion that's for taxes. There's a portion that's for public health, um, and you know, or wherever else pub, uh, smoking or tobacco would fall. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it is possible in state codes to redefine tobacco for the purposes of taxation, and mm -hmm. then you know, you have to go back in again and redefine tobacco for the purposes of prohibiting use somewhere. Mm -hmm. So, all of that to say that just because the federal definition changes. This does not automatically include vaping in all the various states' indoor clean air laws, which is a, that's a question that we get quite a bit. So, if right. your state if your state doesn't specifically prohibit vaping indoors, uh, mm -hmm. you can you can allow people to use the products in your vape shop, and mm -hmm. uh, and as long as you're charging a, a, a reasonable fee, uh, people can continue to sample the product in your shop. Okay. <clears throat> which, which is, which is very important from me. Yes. Your perspective. Exactly. Um, so, um, I think, yeah, I think that covers quite a few of the questions. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'd rather end on some, some good news. Mm -hmm. if, if, if we're through, are we, are we through the, I think uh, we are. Kassa interprets the deeming regulations portion of the show. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, no, no, I, it's good. I, I, then I need to. Then I, you I'm, can just give people a link. I can what? give people the link. To the podcast when they, they call up and what do I do about this? What about that? You can give them a link to the podcast and they can listen. Yeah, I could do that. Well, I mean, for your voicemail messages, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Something. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is this was really not a, a comprehensive overview of of what oh, yeah. uh, is 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 going on. But I do, you know, we did cover some of the very important things that are happening sure. uh, come next Monday. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's kind of difficult to say. Yeah. Um, and actually, I just want to make sure that yes, it is next Monday, August the eighth. Yes. 
Um, so yeah, this is going to be a really interesting week. But mm -hmm. uh, this weekend, I had the uh, well, the I was originally supposed to go to South Dakota, and right. we were going to this event in South Dakota. It was it was a little bit smaller than what we're normally used to going to, but um, we are anticipating. Uh, well, there there is, I believe, a uh, a tax. Uh, ballot initiative in North Dakota this year, and it will include a tax on vapor products. Um, so I was hoping to be in South Dakota to meet uh, with with advocates there, and uh, and you know open channels of communication and um, generally kind of get started on on that issue. Uh, but the event canceled uh, because lots of uh, vendors backed out at the last minute. Uh, I know that there are several different reasons for vendors to not go uh, to these events, especially uh, on the eve of the effective date of deeming. Um, but uh, I, I, I can say that, you know, other than age verification and charging for free sampling, that there's nothing in the deeming regulations preventing these events from continuing. And given <laughs> that they, they sort of have that uh, traveling uh, uh, revival kind of uh, potential there where you are you're, you're traveling you know these events are traveling to various cities and and drawing in smokers that that may be curious about the products sure. uh, by all means that aspect of these events should continue mm -hmm. and uh, and I, I hope to see a lot of this come back once people realize that that they can continue um, so and we still have you know a few more events to do this year we're going to be in Oklahoma City, uh, I, I I plan on going to VCC in Chattanooga. Uh, VaporCon is in Richmond, and yeah. is, may potentially be going to something in Oregon um, in November. Uh, so okay. haven't 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 uh, fully fleshed all of that out, but uh, those are you know those are events, and they're still going on. So yeah, um, but because I am no longer going to South Dakota. Uh, mm -hmm. I now get to redirect and go to Milwaukee uh, oh, yeah. for the uh, North American premiere of A Billion Lives. Billion lives. And it, it, anybody who's been dialed into this and following this knows that now there are some very important people coming to this premiere. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of them, of course, is, is Senator Ron Johnson. Yes. Um, so I'm, I am super excited to go meet uh, Senator Johnson, um, mm -hmm. and, and some other people that are going to be there. Uh, and uh, Aaron is a great guy and it'll be, it'll be great to see him in his hometown, enjoying some <laughs> success after yeah. pouring his soul into this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I, and so I'm, you know, myself, Julie Westner, I believe Kristen is going, Kristen Noel Marsh. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember if there's anybody else from Casa going, but, um, so, we will be there this weekend, and uh, if you're in the, if you're within driving distance of Milwaukee, uh, you should, you, and you vape, and you, or even if you don't vape and you want to know what's going on, uh -huh. um, I, it, this, this movie is for people that are not necessarily from the vapor world. Sure. Uh, you know, this is this is meant to kind of. This, this movie, from what I understand, speaks to non-smokers, non-vapers, people who have mm -hmm. questions about, uh, about the products, about the industry, and sure. about how they have uh, affected uh, 
you know, people like me uh, mm-hmm. and the benefits that they provide. So, yeah. um, yeah, by, if you and your friends are within driving distance, get some tickets and go to the premiere yeah. and uh, we're going to have an awesome time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm jealous. I'm so <laughs> jealous. I am. I, I hope, um, and I hate to say this because I, I know people freak out when I say it, but um, there's a movie theater chain down here that showed Vaxxed. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I know people get turned off when I say that. I Believe me, I get that. Um, but I was actually <clears throat> able to see that because of the movie theaters down here that actually independently showed it. And I'm kind of hoping the same sort of thing will happen with a billion lives. You know, so I'll actually be able to see it somewhere close to home and take my friends and family because they need to see it too. It, it needs to be more than just my words. They need to understand. Yeah. And you know, that, that is ultimately the goal get this movie in as many theaters as possible. And that's why, you know, attendance at these premieres is, is so important um, so that, you know, so that Aaron and his team can demonstrate that, but there is a lot of interest about this topic and, and that, um, you know, movie houses will be able to sell out the seats. Oh yeah. Um, and, and not just, not just for one night only, but mm-hmm. you know, that there's enough I, demand to see it. I agree. Yeah. 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 Completely agree. I'm, I'm excited. I'm jealous you're going. I'm excited you're going. I'm happy you're going. I, I think it's going to be amazing. Yeah. I just do. Well, we wish you were coming. That that that's. Uh, I, I haven't I, met you in person yet, so it'll be. I know one, it's one of it, these days we're going to hang out. We will. I mean, it's this this wonderful retail gig I've got is. Um, <laughs> it uh, doesn't work as well with the vaping events schedule as you'd think. No. <laughs> but one of these days, oh yeah, totally going to happen. We're we're going to hang out. I'll let you buy me a sarsaparilla or root beer. I don't drink. I know you don't drink. So. Yeah. So we'll, we'll hang out in the, in the non-drinkers corner. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. There's like, there's like four of us. So. Oh, so there's, so there's two other people I haven't met yet. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So is that about it this week, Alex, do you think? I think so. Um, okay. The next time I talk to you, we will be living in a post-deeming world. Oh, good. Because government regulation makes everything better. Mm, no. I, in case you couldn't tell, that was sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, well um, you know, I, I, I don't typically wish everyone a good week, but uh, this is it. <laughs> And so I, I sincerely hope that, you know, if there's any one thing that people can do this week, it's to, you know, kind of let, let's up our game and in, in getting the word out about yeah. what's what's about to happen. And and not just that, uh, you know, we need to up our game in terms of helping people understand what we need to do to hopefully fix this in the future. Um, yeah. And uh yeah, so this this week is, I, I don't know. I'm not in mourning. Uh, uh, this is this is all action. This is all we need to take this opportunity and, and you know spread the word and, and help get people engaged. Mm-hmm. I, well, I I think this is just the beginning. 
this is we have not even yet begun to fight. But uh, this is people's wake up call. That's yeah. what this week is. So yeah, I hope everyone has a good week. Tell everyone you know about DMA. <laughs> what is it? August eighth dot org. August eighth dot org. Yep. August eighth dot org. It's where people can go to find out about. Maybe take action. <laughs> take action, and that that's your portal to getting educated. So Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right, Alex, thank you for everything. Um, thank you for hanging out with us despite the audio problems. And thank you for yeah. being so cool about it. And it was, <laughs> great. it was great hanging out with you for an extended period of time. So go, enjoy your, go enjoy your pizza and have a great night. And thank you awesome. for everything. Thank you. Bye bye. Night. You know, I is everybody going to start speaking now? Because I'm going to feel like a jerk <laughs> if I'm the only one saying anything. No, I feel. What would you like to hear? I, I, there's nothing you can say that I want to hear. I just don't want to hear a silence. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I knew. I knew the day of reckoning was coming. I just didn't realize it was, you know, reckoning by the truly. Yeah, um, it's it frightens me when I think about the number of people that still aren't listening. Yeah, um, I worry that those people make the responsible vendors and shop owners look bad. Because every time, okay, so the same people that probably go in and do compliance checks for tobacco and alcohol, those young, really attractive people that work about three, four hours a day on the weekends right. for the state, they're going to be the same people that come into your shop, which I know exactly. we talked about that before. But what people don't realize, I do a lot of reading about tobacco. That's how I knew about tobaccoontrial.org or .com, where you can go find all this stuff. Um, I, I, I keep up with it because it, it's an interesting subject to me. But every time an act of enforcement happens, publicity around that store and shop explodes. And they almost go viral online. I think people don't realize that. There will be news yeah, stories be about you will be on the news. You will be on the nighttime news. You will be on the internet. And you will be famous for not complying. Am I one of the few people that actually saw a couple of weeks ago where the FDA approved 44 new tobacco cigarettes to go on the market? No. No. No, tobacco um, is pre-approved. That made me want to punch a wall. Tobacco is pre-approved. That's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, that, that one really frosted me. Well, you know, this I can lay right at the feet of the last living Kennedy, who made it his mission in life to get this sort of regulation passed. Had it not been passed, I mean, it would have been business as usual for the tobacco companies, right? And we wouldn't yeah. be in this mess now. But, True. you know. The I, other thing that 
I, I mentioned there were when, last week when all hell broke loose with mm-hmm. the shops getting visited on their oh, yeah. bottles. People were in a panic and I, I'm just a consumer. So mm-hmm. I made the comment that if I just carried 15 mil and 30 mil bottles mm-hmm. of, of whatever products, I'm not going to say the name of the company, but I know they have put out their online for people to download and have for inspection documents that will cover them on the bottles. This company sells like a hundred different sizes of bottles. Just because I had two sizes of bottles in my shop, I would have a copy of every single one of those documents for every single size bottle and say, Mm -hmm. well, I don't have it now, but I might tomorrow and just bury them in paperwork. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. I mean, here's the thing. If you've got to register all these things, like Alex said, it's like it's like a wet dream for us. It's not that. The reason we want you to register this stuff is the government, when they regulate, likes to take the complicated and make it simple. This is what bureaucracy does. So I don't know if anybody's read Rules for Radicals. I've read it, and I've read it because... Um, I think the tactics that those people use are completely effective in a lot of ways. One of the things that Solowinski states is you make the other side live up to their own rules. Exactly. Okay. So let's do that. Let's make the FDA live up to their own rules. Let's show them what registration looks like and see what happens. Absolutely bury them. bury them with every piece of paper you possibly can that's i mean i i may be a little rebel in in that regard but i've always worked under the assumption when dealing with them better too much paper than not enough enough. yeah cover your butt in paper i mean and that's every job i've had right i'm i'm a decent worker i've been a, a I've been in store management, so and this is where I learned that. Anytime any person above you or in charge of you or whatever tells you something, write, write that shit down. You need to cover oh, yeah. your ass in paper. Um, it's the same thing for shop owners. Cover your ass with paper. All kinds of paper. They're not yeah. going to be able... They, they're going to have to hire so many people. They're going to be need to go and beg Congress for money to go through these registration exactly give them a hundred times more than they want my only concern in this and i don't know i'm not an attorney but Mm -hmm. i know at the end of that two-year period if my concern is if they haven't gotten to your pile of paperwork yet they're going to go oops it's too late i don't know if they can do that or not i i this is new territory for just about everyone Maybe yes. the only person who could answer you would be that guy on Twitter, Esig Attorney. He might be able to answer you on that. Well, you, and I'm not even is, sure he can because I don't know that he knows yet. The truth is none of us know. This is, um, we're exploring strange new worlds. We're seeking out new life and new civilizations. We're boldly going where no shop owner has gone before. So well, You can um, beam me the fuck up anytime. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? This is um, this is uncharted territory for everybody. But I agree it with is. you. 
you, you really need to, bureaucracy loves paper. I don't they give do. a crap what they say about paperlessness. You, you work in healthcare, right? Oh yeah. Sort of, in a way. So you know how much paper you are required to have. And you probably have more than that just in case something changes. You, because you know always, the government does stuff on a whim. Yeah. 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 Absolutely bury them with it. Um, and yet the irony is when I was working, we had concrete rules. We knew what inspectors were going to be looking for. It was all spelled out in black and white. And the bugs in that system had been worked out for decades. Right. We also knew our... No, no, that, and this is, that's what makes this so dangerous. But we knew our inspector and he would come into that store and until he found one thing mm -hmm. that wasn't right, he would stay for days digging yep. because there has to be a mistake somewhere. So yep. we would see him coming up to the door and intentionally misfile something. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. when he would come up and start looking through the papers, he'd go, oh, well, this isn't where it belongs. Check mark on the form. It's been everything else looks good. See you later. Yeah. Um, that that was this. a luxury. That's a luxury that does not exist right now. So yeah. plan B is dazzle them with your brilliance and bury them with the paperwork. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, and here's the thing. I, I saw a girl post the other day in Casa's Facebook group, and we are Casa, that an FDA inspector had just come into her shop and he, he was one of, I don't know how many, but he was in New Mexico and his general area is the Rhode Island, Connecticut area. And he was learning about vape shops. He didn't know anything really? about them or the regulation of them, but he was going to be one of the people doing the enforcement. And he huh. walked around her shop to get a feel for it. Oh my God. I thought was very interesting. And she is not the only one who's posting that. So yeah, this is actually yeah, turning into a vaping show. Y'all. <laughs> we're all that doomed. never happens here. Doomed. I tell you. No, we're not doomed. <laughs> We're not doomed. We're sharing information to keep each other's heads above water. I know that there have also been some shops in this state where people who have claimed to be inspectors have walked in and tried to bully themselves basically into a position where they could do some inspecting mm -hmm. without providing ID or credentials saying that who they were is who they said they were. Mm -hmm. And the three shops that I've talked to, this has happened to, I've said animately, they show you ID, they show you yep. proof who they are, or you show them the door and you call law enforcement and have them arrested. Yep. Um, I, I don't know if that's something that's going to be happening or not, but I do know that they are required by law to identify to show you their ID. Yeah, no, this girl was saying she had his badge number. Um, she made him sign something. I don't know what she made him sign, but she knew his name. She knew his branch office. She knew where he worked. She knew he was one of X amount of people that were going to be doing this, and they were just starting training 
last week. Yeah, if, How if people don't... are you going to regulate something when you just start training two weeks out? Yeah, it's, it's How are going you going to, to inspect? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I and think Steve this is made a cluster. The... Go ahead. It is. Steve made the comment that right now vapors should feel like vampires watching the sunrise. Um, there's a, a, a sad truth in that statement. Um, but we, we need to get the sunscreen out, folks. And it's, yeah, it's, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get real ugly. Um, I, I just hope that when it's think, all said and done, we come out good. I think we're going to have an interesting eight days or so. I think we're going to have an interesting rest of the year. Oh, yeah. No, I think there'll be daily stories. Yeah, I, I think the next the next week is going to be a whole lot of hysteria. Um, and then I think the rest of the year is going to be a whole lot of trial and error. Because, honestly, no one does know. And that includes the people that are supposed to enforce this. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the part that should scare you. Training two yeah. weeks out to do inspections, to do enforcement. Really? Yeah. How does that even work? I mean, is that typical well, government awesomeness? It may not work very well, which is why it could be interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it, it's ridiculous. This is, well, this is the perfect topic for this show. This is the perfect topic for the show. Well, and it's beyond regulation by, by low IQ. I mean, that's what this is. If you looked at the deeming regulations with a critical eye, like I read it till I had splitting headaches for days. I yeah. can see the hands of at least three different agencies in those documents. At least. Oh, yeah. Anyone who thinks that the FDA did this all by themselves yeah. is... Not vaping, that's for sure. Well, they're vaping, um, but God knows what they're vaping. What they're vaping, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's... And I think a lot of people don't realize, too, that it's not necessarily going to be just the FDA and the ATF going around doing this kind of enforcement. Um, they have um, contractual obligations with city and state health inspectors. Yes, and so I That's... honestly think a lot of shops are going to be really surprised when their local health inspector shows up. Yep, and I mean says, that's that's the big thing I could see in those regulations. I could see the invisible hands of Health and Human Services. HHS, exactly, because and that way they don't have to lay out the money for inspectors because they're mm -hmm. already there. Yep, because FDA does not have the money to pay out. For no. the inspections that they're going to need to do. So health and human services had their hands in there. And then when you looked at when they talked about chemical constitutes and stuff, and they did, <laughs> I could detect the hands of another government agency that I don't think should have their hands in this. There's lots of hands that are in that that have there's, no business being in it. There's three agencies, I think, that are mostly responsible. HHS, FDA, EPA. I yeah. think you can lay the way those documents are laid out in the haphazard form that they're laid out in 
at the hands of those three agencies working separately and trying to put something cognizant together. There and is no really have cognizant narrative there. Go ahead. No. And you have to love how they have put public health in the forefront of this entire issue. Um, I... And have you noticed, like, and maybe just because I read a lot of tobacco and, and news stuff, uh, all of a sudden, oh, vaping can cause cancer. They found two, you know, remember the first study they did where they almost set the silica wick on fire, which we almost thought was impossible yeah. with the C4. Yeah. Okay. Well, and so a they, few days ago, somebody else like redid the exact same thing, and yep. it's just like, oh, for the love of God, why don't you just mm -hmm. put a blowtorch to it and see what happens? Yeah. Well, here's the thing: they've done the same thing in this quote-unquote new study where they found two possible carcinogens. Nobody vapes a dry atomizer. Nobody vapes no. a dry coil. You cannot physically do it. It will make you rich. Well, you can, but you're going to be puking your guts up while That's you try. It's it's like the first time you smoke a cigar, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. <laughs> yep. So um, they're regulating into circumstances that have no factual basis in reality. They're regulating into the realm of speculative fiction. That's a problem yeah. for us. That's yeah. a real problem for us. And they don't know what they're doing, which makes it even better. Which is one more reason to bury them in paperwork. Yeah. Exactly. Um, because be careful what you ask for. You just might get it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You want to see this? Here. Here's the filing cabinet for just that. Oh, and do you need a copy? It's 25 cents per copy. Thank you and have a nice day. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Smile when you say it, but don't give them anything for free. Um, because God knows they're, oh, yeah. Mm. No. Yeah. yeah. Have a sign up before they even come in the door. Yep. Photocopies provided, 25 cents per copy. <laughs> it's just. I, I'm just that, that evil that way. I don't think it's evil. I, I think it's going to be necessary. Otherwise, shop owners are going to be throwing all their money out the door with these people. I it's, don't. Yeah. So there's And that. then what happened in Pennsylvania recently just absolutely floored me. You know, um, and then, you know, and then an unnamed jackass running for president picks that son of a bitches is running me really uh, yeah uh-huh yeah um just so i was trying to figure out how legally you could go back and tax someone on something that they bought six months ago i don't know how you can send somebody to jail for driving I, through town you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, just, with a with as much as, as a five year sentence. Yep, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. This whole thing is ridiculous, and I I said it a while ago, and I'm going to say it again. I remember Drew. I remember sitting in a Skype chat with Drew, and Drew saying to me, "There is no way on God's green earth." the government would do this to us. I cannot believe that if we didn't, if we took this to court, that the judge would not say, no, this doesn't make sense. 
for the government to regulate something out of existence that's making your life better and and making you healthier and stronger. And well, see, I think I'm back to that, and I want to cry. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that. Have you done any reading on this judge? that was supposedly getting a lot of these lawsuits all lumped together so they could all be heard at once in D.C.? Yeah, of course I have. She, I'll bet you, yeah, duh, dumb question. Um, well, I mean, that's, she's generally struck, what, that's generally what happens. when when She struck me as someone who might actually do her job and not be bought. I, I could be wrong. Well, um, um, I've been wrong lots before. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about law stuff, but I do know a lot of cases will be bought together based on their merits so they can be tried at once, which saves the government an expense. That has nothing to do with you. It has to do with government expense. Right. And time. And I am just really, I'm cautiously, very cautiously optimistic that once this actually gets put in front of a judge, they're going to be looking at the government and go, what in the world are you doing? Um, I'm not Maybe. holding my breath, but I'm going to hope. Maybe. Um, because I, I think I, that's I, all we've got. And I think August 18th and not August, I'm sorry, October 18th and October 12th. It's on. Uh, it's it's in the tobacco yeah, on trial October thing. October twelfth is when. The, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it's October twelfth. So, um, and, but I think the government's comments have to be back to them by October eighteenth. And I'm like, well, does that hold off enforcement until October or no? Because we've asked for not we've. Some of the vape exactly. shops have asked for an injunction, and we just don't know yet. That's why I keep to checking tobaccoontrial.com. Exactly. Um, one of the shops that I've worked with, August 7th is the last day he's going to be open. Um, there are already two shops here that have closed their doors and relocated that inventory to shops they have in Oklahoma um, because they just either didn't think they could deal with it or they were afraid it wasn't going to be doable, period. 